They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! Welcome to Feed vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where your host, Feed the Terrible Aussie Jemine, explores the remakes, re-edits, reimaginings, homages, and unofficial follow-ups to George A. Romero's classic 1968 horror film, Night of the Living Dead. This is the latest disclosure in a report from National Civil Defense Headquarters in Washington. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. A widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes Morgues and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. This podcast contains coarse language, mature discussions, and plot spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. G'day everyone, this is Bejamide, aka the Terrible Aussie, and welcome back to episode 26 of Bean vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where I dissect every remake, re-edit, reimagining, homage, spoof, unofficial follow-up, and so much more to George A. Romero's classic 1968 horror film, Night of the Living Dead Across All Media. And I, I'm very excited for this episode um, <laughs> today. Because we definitely have the quite a film to talk about for this episode. But before we get to what that film is, I am joined by a very special guest who is making his return. After appearing on episode 23 of the podcast in which we discussed Return of the Living Dead Part 2. And that, of course, is my good friend, Pat Torfey. Hello, Pat, and welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Bede. I uh, I enjoyed it so much the first time I had to come back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, how have you been, Pat? I've been adequate. <laughs> I, <laughs> adequate's probably not the best word for it, but it's just, you know, I've been good. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I've pretty much been the same too, but at least around the time of uh, this recording, I just celebrated my birthday. So I'm in yes, post- yes in post-birthday mode at the time of this recording, and I am slightly hungover, but not bad enough to not do this podcast. So if I do act like a zombie throughout this episode, you'll understand why, listeners. But like I said, I'm glad you're here, Pat, because you and I have a film that we're both very excited to discuss, and it's a film that until probably a few weeks ago, I only just watched for the first time, and it as soon as I finished watching it, couldn't wait to finally get to this episode of it. And that, of course, is the film Flesh Eater. Exactly. I uh, I have not seen, I had not seen the film actually for quite some time, actually. Actually. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it didn't get off to a good start for me to revisit it because uh, actually it's, uh, when I popped the disc in, it actually killed my Blu-ray player. <laughs> Oh, okay. Which, so, so um, that was interesting. Uh, so I ended up having to stream it on Tubi. And yep. uh, th- that was not a shameless plug or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it is appropriate because, at least in my opinion, uh, Flesh Eater or Revenge of the Living Dead, if you want to call it that, it makes for a uh, perfect Tubi Tuesday film. Uh, put it that way. Indeed. Well, one of my other podcasts that I co-host, which are on the Super Network, uh, the 2B Tuesdays podcast, 
And for those out there who don't know what that podcast is, it's a podcast where my co-hosts and I go on the film on the streaming service Tubi and find a film, and then we do a commentary for. So we kind of done it so many different wild and crazy films yeah. for that show. And I have to admit, Pat, like after I'm watching this movie, I was like, yeah, this would definitely be a perfect film for the Tubi Tuesdays <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We might as well get straight to it and talk about the 1988 horror film, Flesh Eater. What the hell? Ralph, open the door. Ralph! Come on, man, those things are right behind us. It's too late! Go find someplace else to hide! Oh, you bastard! which was directed by Bill Hinsman, screenplay by Bill Hinsman and Bill Randolph from a story by Bill Hinsman. And this film stars John Mowood, Leslie Ann Wick, Kevin Kinley, Karis Kirkpatrick Acuff, and if I butchered your name, please forgive me, James J. Rutan, and Bill Hinsman as the Flesh Eater. And the plot summary for this film, which I am reading off IMDb, is... A group of college students on an overnight hayride come across a group of man-eating zombies. They must fight for their lives while trying to escape and warn the authorities. Now, before we get into discussing this film, now, for all those out there who are listening, you've probably heard that this film is directed, co-written, produced, and stars Bill Hinsman. Now, if that name does sound familiar... It's because Bill Hintman, of course, played the cemetery zombie in the original Night of the Living Dead. So he was pretty much the very first modern zombie to ever be put on film. As talented as an actor and a filmmaker he is, that will always be part of his legacy as being the very first quote-unquote zombie in cinema. So 
Now, I've heard about Flesh Eater for quite a while, being that, of course, uh, this is Bill Hinsman's second film as director. Uh, his first being the slasher film, The Majorettes, which John A. Russo wrote. And so I'd heard about Flesh Eater for quite a number of years, even before I started doing the show. But one of the things that kind of struck me about this film, even before I saw it, is pretty much... Bill Hinsman does play the title character in the film, The Flesh Eater. And it's no coincidence that the look of the zombie he plays is very modeled on the cemetery zombie from Night of the Living Dead. So I was always very curious to sit down and see this film. And now having seen it recently, oh boy, there's a lot to discuss with this film. <laughs> but uh, before I go into my thoughts on it, uh, Pat, your thoughts on Flesh Eater. Well, as I said uh, before, I had seen Flesh Eater, oh gosh, it was a long time, a long time ago. Obviously, I had seen Men of the Living Dead before that, and uh, Flesh Eater was sort of one of those, I didn't realize that uh, Bill Hinsman was in it until <laughs> until the uh, until the opening credits rolled around, yeah. um, and when I first saw it, I thought, Oh, this is interesting. I saw it when I was younger. So it was kind of, I was on a, you know, Oh, just grab as much horror as I could. Mm. And, uh, you know, looking back, probably the, the nativity, if you want to call it that has worn off and, uh, you know, revisiting it now, it was just kind of, well, wow. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it was uh it was an experience um it uh certainly it uh lasted long it certainly it was the film's only 88 minutes um but it felt longer than that <laughs> which is kind of uh yeah it's yeah <laughs> let's leave it let's leave it at that before we get into it <laughs> indeed indeed i guess for my thoughts on this film like i said i kind of heard about this film's reputation for quite a long time and what I sort of mentioned to friends of mine that I was going to be doing this film for the show at some point a lot of them pretty much ha had the same reaction they were like "Ooh," <laughs> <laughs> and uh so on that front as someone who does love all things bad I do love a good bad film so but that's the thing, you never know with a film like this, is it going to be the fun type of bad, or is it going to be, like, the boring type of bad? So I was kind of bracing myself either way to what this film was going to be, and I'm not going to lie, Pat, I enjoyed this movie way too much than expected. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I figured being, you would. Yeah, but that being said, though, it's definitely not the best type of film. Like, it is... Like, there's definitely a lot of qualities about it that I did really enjoy. I think the makeup and gore effects are pretty excellent, especially for a low-budget indie film like this. And there's some very memorable moments. But that being said, though, uh, the writing is definitely not the best. The acting yeah. definitely is not the best. <laughs> the pacing is not the best. Yes. But as you said, it does have a certain charm to it. And that's why mm. I said, you know, it's it's one of those films. And I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to mention it again and again. It is one of those films that you would want to sit down with a group of friends yeah. and enjoy a uh, 
a certain type of beverage, put it that way. Uh, yes. And uh, which just would only enhance the uh, the uh, what's being what's transpiring on screen, put it that way. Indeed. It, it, I think it's definitely one of those films like you need to either be really drunk or really high to cut with yes. a group of friends to basically enjoy it. But even then, having watched it twice in prep for this show, by myself, I might add, I still even enjoyed it as just a watch, a solo watch for me. But it, it's definitely a film that I definitely want to show people, especially if you're going to be doing like a fun, bad movie night, because this movie oh, yes. has all those qualities that I love, Pat. I'm not lying. Like, I mean, it's not on the level of something of the great, so bad, it's good films like The Room or Troll 2 or uh, or a few others, but it definitely is still a lot of fun. Even the stuff that doesn't work about it gives the film a lot of charm to it as well, because you can obviously tell that Bill Hinsman and his cast and crew were very passionate about what they're doing and they wanted to make mm -hmm. the best horror film as possible. Even if the film didn't turn out exactly as they would have wanted it, it it's still a pretty enjoyable experience nonetheless. Oh yes. Yeah, you could as you said, there's uh there's heart behind it, but even with the best intentions, there's still you know, it's a for effort, I guess you could say. A yes. for effort. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, the only way we can really describe the insanity of this movie is we have to recap the plot of it, and we'll get straight to it. So, essentially, the movie starts off with a quote over a black screen, which just simply says, This evil which will take flesh and blood from thee and turn all ye unto evil. So, okay, that's a pretty interesting way to start off the film. And then, of course, uh, it goes into, we go to the start of the film where we're introduced to a whole bunch of college kids who are on a hay, on a Halloween hayride to the woods. Now, I'm not really all that familiar with Halloween hayrides. I'm assuming it's kind of more of a North American thing, I suppose. Is it essentially, yes. essentially just getting on the back of a truck with a lot of hay and just I guess, driving around, I suppose? I mean, Pat, you, you're uh, probably the best person to explain this to me as someone who's not familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, you're pretty much you're pretty much right, correct on that. I mean, sometimes it's also, it's either a horse-drawn carriage, uh, mm -hmm. but generally speaking, you know, you just get on the back of a moving, moving vehicle, let's put it that way, uh, whether it's truck, carriage, sleigh, whatever, and uh, you just go along a country road. Generally speaking, not as uh, slow, if you want to call it that, as mm -hmm. uh, I should say. I shouldn't. No, slow is not the right word for it. I mean, you do have to. Obviously, you're not, you're not going to go to breakneck pace, but plotting is better suited for uh, uh, for uh, the. Uh, hayride in this instance and as i said before this is kind of you know i would say you spend a good 10 10 to 50 10 to 20 seconds watching this sled being dragged by a trailer you know approaching the screen and then it's a cut and then you just see it moving along <laughs> from one end to this 
from one end of the screen to uh, the next. And it sort of you it sort of uh, sets the tone for Flesh Eater in terms of its uh, pacing, put it that way. Mm. Um, and I will say that, uh, you know, to go back a bit, but to go back a bit with the title screen, you do have to appreciate the uh, the score for oh, Flesh Eater, yeah. which is the same theme over and over again. And there's there are certain there are variations on it. Don't get me wrong, but you'll hear you have to get you're going to get used to it pretty quickly. So and that was I just had to put that in there. But then back to the to the uh, hayride again. It's a low budget, but the uh, at least the version that I saw it, the uh, ADR. How do I put it this way? It's very sort of amateur <laughs> yeah it very, I, I would it very I would, yeah go ahead sorry the mix it the, i was gonna say the mix is not very good put it that mm. way uh it's uh a little too there's really no effort in terms of uh matching it with the uh matching it with either panning it whatever i mean i get it it's a low budget feature but it is just, it is pretty obvious that it's uh, it is ADR, and it's not very good. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to bring up the ADR in the opening of this scene, and it is pretty hilarious how we have all these different conversations between the college kids going on and while they're on the back of this hayride. It's very obvious, like from the very beginning. It's like are they they're not even. A, trying to attempt to at least make the sound of the conversations like even match the surroundings of the scene it, it just felt very hilarious to me in terms of how the adr is done but also i gotta give this film credit because one of the reasons why i watched this film is because i picked up the vinegar syndrome 4k yes. release of this film and it, it does look fantastic the restoration looks great and also the opening credits are really cool too because it shows like an animated uh, face of the Flesh Eater and I thought that was like a really cool way to open the film. And of course, uh, this copy of the film actually, besides it is called Flesh Eater, but it does have the subtitle of Revenge of the Living Dead. So, <laughs> which I know was also a working title for the film as well. And just kind of say, Pat, what you were saying before about the score, which was done by uh, Erica Potnoy, and if I butchered your name, please forgive me. I actually did enjoy the score a lot, but I definitely know what you mean, that it is very repetitive because it's essentially mostly the same score that's played throughout the film, even in the more intense scenes. Although there is a different kind of score that does play over those moments as well. Oh, yes. There's, uh, yeah, I was going to say, the that sort of gets into it later in terms of the, uh, let's call it Muzak it's i use that term loosely but really it's uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so of course we're introduced to our college kids and so the tr the driver of the tractor doing the hayride he drops them off somewhere in the woods and they go there and they start the party and all that and one of the characters i believe it is eddie he's kind of the prankster <laughs> of the group and he kind of tells them odd oh, about the story about, I believe, Sammy Perkins, who like who mysteriously disappeared. And there have been rumors about what happened to him and his girlfriend. Some suggest like his girlfriend got pregnant and she just moved away to have the baby 
but others have suggested that he he and her were murdered in those woods because the farmer who we saw uh, a little bit earlier as he's working in the woods when uh Perkinson's dog uh found the head and brought it to him one day so <laughs> so it's kind of like telling like the local legends of what's happening in the scene but pretty quickly with the scenes with the college kids it's very obvious that the performances are just all over the place like the acting isn't very good but at the same time though like it does have a bit of a charm to it watching sort of like these obviously sort of amateur actors kind of doing this film and i gotta say though like it kind of again just added to the charm of the film so we're seeing all these characters they're having a party and one couple in particular kind of sneak away while the others are you know having a couple of drinks and dancing and uh then we see the farmer and he is using his tractor to pull out a tree stump so he does that and then he discovers a like a gravestone in the ground and i love how basically as he's based uncovering this grave stone and cleaning it up and discovers a coffin underneath it like basically feels like it's done in real time because it just goes on forever <laughs> yes you could say that um again as i said the uh, uh editing was not uh bill's strong suit in this film that and the fact that this this gravestone i mean i can understand the gravestone itself being pretty shallow but i mean yeah literally it just was like it seemed like there was like three inches of dirt on top of this thing and <laughs> covered with leaves and it was just yeah it uh, and then the rest and then of course as you eventually as eventually the farmer finds out you know there's more to it than that there's this wax seal of a pentagram and of course the entire time we're hearing this him say he's like oh those stupid kids you know they're pulling a prank or whatever like that and of course as he uncovers more of it we see that quote from the beginning of the film mm -hmm. and then of course we also see uh that he even though he even though he's wiping away all this dirt he pretty quickly uncovers this this coffin and mm. uh again it's a pretty shallow coffin like as i said only three inches of dirt covered with leaves and uh, he finds it locked quote unquote and he for whatever reason he decides to break the lock actually i don't know if he i don't know if it's so much as break the lock no it's it, the, sort of like, the lock the chain just easily just moves away he just grabs it it just easily just falls off the coffin it's uh yeah it's okay i'll go with it whatever and then of course he opens it up and then of course there's bill in his flesh eater get up looking very similar to how he looked in night of the living dead obviously mm -hmm. a little older uh more pancake makeup obviously a little grayer he wakes up and it's just <laughs> this is the other thing with this film i mean it's kind of you'll find out pretty quickly that the zombies actually do uh, not, not emote but they vocalize put it that way mm. and uh that's one of the big differences between the flesh eater zombies and night of the living dead zombies and of course it's it's adds to the charm i get it it's just sort of i don't know it's very sort of once you the as i said again the adr sort of comes into play and it's just sort of very hammy yeah let's leave it at that 
Yeah, it kind of adds to the cheesiness of the movie with the ADR of the zombies going. <laughs> Even though it doesn't make sense, but whatever, let's roll with indeed. it. Indeed, indeed, indeed. But also, we kind of the show like how much uh, this film is because it's very obvious this film is paying homage to the original Night of the Living Dead, and we'll go into how it does that throughout the course of this recap, but. One of the things that kind of makes it stand out, of course, is when the farmer gets attacked by the flesh eater, like the gore is very, it, th- we pretty much see that this movie is going to be very gory because he, the flesh eater takes a huge chunk out of the guy's throat and there's blood everywhere. <laughs> yes, it just pushes the guy up and he just lands, I should preface it, flesh eater drags the farmer into the grave, bites him, throws him back over. And then, of course, the guy's standing, uh, lying on the ground, gurgling. And then, of course, Flesh Eater crawls over and finishes the job. It's just sort of like, okay, that's is again, sort of, I guess when you're dead, you get strength, superhuman strength. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the thing, though, like, because we do have hints about what this type of Flesh Eater is. Like, of course, you said before, it has a pentagram. Uh, symbol on top of the coffin and also those words that were that were the opening crawl of the film at the beginning so we could only kind of hear of hints of where flesh eater came from but of course as i discussed before about that sort of uh urban legend about sammy perkins and a possible there's a possibility that a satanic cult may have been in the area so i guess like even though this film doesn't really go into explaining where Flesh Eater came from and why he's there in the coffin in the ground, but we do get the hints of the possibilities of who this character is. So I thought that was kind of very interesting. But again, from here, once Flesh Eater just starts killing people, that's just when the insanity kind of (laughs) comes in. And um, so from here, we go back to the college kids and they're all partying. And I got to say, Pad. I don't, I don't know if it's just me, but one of the things I sort of notice about these college college kids is that I c- honestly couldn't tell most of them apart because nearly all of them looked exactly the same, especially uh, the guys in the group. Yes, it was just kind of again the writing is just they were not they were they were very interchangeable. Put it that way. Mm. I mean, the only one the only one who stood out initially was Eddie. Who, unlike Shelley from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, doesn't really endear himself to the audience. Yeah, uh, he just kind of he kind of turns into from like a prankster sort of thing to that jerk that you want to see like die horribly. Yeah, um, and other than that, I mean, the rest of them are just sort of, as I said, interchangeable. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it, but it really it really is just sort of uh, again part of the charm. It's amateur. I know. I get it. I yes. just like yeah. Yes, and uh, as all like as the kids are partying and all that, one of the girls just gets her boobs out at one point. So you know, cause <laughs> again, this is like That's one of those things. I. It's just like what? Whatever. Okay, sure. And they're just, and, they're dancing to this really horrible music. And of course, one of the girls just decides to take her shirt and just like flash the. It's just like in broad daylight. It's just whatever. Well, I shouldn't say in broad daylight, but there's no there's no one around. But it's just kind of okay, Bill. <laughs> sure, 
<laughs> exactly. So, and again, it kind of sets the tone for what the rest of the film is going to be because one of the things I sort of noticed very quickly about Flesh Eater is that it definitely goes for more of that sleazy, violent, exploitative vibe <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, you, you sort of, again, this probably will come up later, uh, later on, but you do get the sense of that Phil Hintzman was sort of like, seeing as he is sort of like the star, if you want to call it that, of the film, it's just sort of, you do have to wonder if he made this film just so that he could get to grope all of these attractive women before killing them mm. it's, it's just it, i don't know i mean that that might be that that's uh might be be a bit too much but you do have to wonder i mean it's just sort of like you watch the rest of the, uh, the other scenes with flesh eater and it's just sort of okay yeah whatever <laughs> exactly exactly although we're not we're not making any uh like <laughs> accusations or anything like that it's just like an interesting thing to notice throughout no exactly film. exactly but here though we follow a different couple who i believe are the characters of carrie and let me oh carrie and bill and they go off to the the spencer's farm which has now long been abandoned and they go into the barn and they sort of uh, have a bit of a chat and they start making out. And that's, of course, when uh, Flesh Eater comes out of nowhere. Bill tries to fight it off. And, but I, what I love again about this film, Pat, is the reactions to all the characters whenever they see a zombie. It just feels like, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I know. I know uh, the actress who, who plays... Uh... Sally. Yes. It is Sally, right? Yes. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. Again. Leslie Ed Wick. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. It's just kind of like you do. It's like everyone's interchangeable, but she's like, but her reaction to her reaction to Bill going after going after Flesh Eater was just like, no. And it's just like, okay. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. Gosh. I think that was uh, Carrie who was uh, with Bill. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Again, I'm sorry, but it was just sort of the whole thing was just. But my point still stands. It was just like this so bad. She's like, no, no. It's just and as you said, the uh the react the reaction is not uh is not an isolated one, put it that way. Yeah, everyone's it a quite sort a of lot. kind of yeah. Uh it does give us a kind of a cool sort of cool sort of uh instance where Bill is trying to attack Flesh Eater. He's not very good with his aim though, put it that way. I don't know who the fuck you are, ma'am. Get out of here. No. 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 Oh, shit.
<laughs> yeah, because like uh, Bill uses a pitchfork to fight Flesh Eater, but of course uh, Flesh Eater manages to get the upper head and stabs Bill with the pitchfork. And then of course he goes after Carrie. He strangles her, and then of course he throws his head into her stomach and pulls out her heart in very graphic Which detail. Is, I know, but it's just sort of like. That's not where the heart is. <laughs> Again, he's just sort of, <laughs> I mean, he's not really sort of reaching in and then going up. He just sort of like reaches in and just pulls it out. And of course, the whole thing is just, yeah. But as I, as I said before, when uh, Bill went to, uh, <laughs> went to hit uh, Flesh Eater, he just kind of, as I said, his aim was not very good. He's sort of, you can tell that they were good when he was, what they were going for and it was a very low budget in terms of just yeah you know because he just sort of quote-unquote stabs him in the shoulder bill being a complete pushover literally flesh eater just pie well, i sh- shouldn't say pie faces him but just pushes him against the hay the hay or whatever and of course being that it's that type of movie he's just frozen in fear or whatever yep and we do get and again we do get a cool sort of spot where flesh eater does sort of stick him to i guess you want to call it stick him to the hay to the bales of hay that are there it's not again it's not quite as cool as uh what happened in uh friday the 13th part three but yeah whatever i mean it's still but uh yeah that uh reaching into uh carrie's uh stomach and pulling out her heart was just sort of okay whatever (laughs) and also i guess yeah, it does. And uh, I was also going to say, like, at one point when uh, Bill gets killed, Carrie even lets out a no. Yes, again, again. <laughs> it's just sort of really. And she, of course, she's like, OK, whatever. Yes. They, they, we're not we're not dealing with very smart people in this film. Yeah. I, I, and these kids are meant to be in college, too. So <laughs> I got to say this as well. This is what made the scene even funnier to me is when bill and carrie are actually uh making out the adr oh of the yes kissing sounds is so loud it's just literally like i know that was just... it it made the scene more gross than anything else it's just again it's just, as we as we as we as we established at the beginning, you you do need to. This is a perfect film for getting uh, getting drunk and watching it with your friend because <laughs> see, it's see, it's stuff like this that will uh, make things uh, make uh, make for hilarity. Put it that way. Indeed, indeed. And uh, as all this is going on, uh, the farmer who we saw get killed by Flesh Eater early, he comes back to life as a zombie. And then we go back to the college kids and they're still partying around and the driver of the hayride comes by to let them know that that he'll be back either later on that night or tomorrow to pick them up. And of course, one of the kids asks, oh, if you do come back later that night, can you bring us back some more beer as well? I just, and- I just thought that was, sorry, I just thought that was funny. Just, so I'm tra- So she goes off to find the farmer again the farmer is trying to i i'm sorry if i'm stealing your your thunder here bead yes but it was just like the farmer's farmer's trying to get his tractor going and of yep. course as these things normally go uh, normally go it doesn't really open it up because i'm pretty sure he doesn't really know what's good the actor doesn't has never 
actually worked on a tractor or whatever, but hey, mm. whatever. He's look he's sort of looking looking at the side, poking at it. He's not really taking anything apart or whatever. The uh, college kid comes up behind him, scares him or whatever, and uh, gives him the money for the beer. And he just sort of like, and of course she goes back off and he goes back to literally just poking at the tractor. Yep, exactly, exactly. And also at this point, uh, one of the other couples sort of is wandering around the woods and Eddie is wearing a mask and pranks them by scaring them. And Lisa, who's part of the couple, she goes off to go see uh, the the driver of the tractor. And when she gets there, she realize, finds that the driver has been attacked and killed by the farmer zombie. So she heads off into the woods screaming and the gang hear her. They go find out what's going on. And then, of course, she runs across Flesh Eater. He takes a huge chunk out of her neck her boyfriend comes along and has a scuffle with Flesh Eater and he manages to help her and then they run away. And of course they run into the rest of the gang. And so the gang decide that they're going to go hide somewhere. So they go to the farm. However, the main couple of the group, which of course are Bob and Sally, they run off to go find Carrie and Bill. And that's when they stumble across them in the barn dead. However... Both Carrie and Bill come back alive as zombies. Bob and Sally run off to go catch up with the group. Uh, the gang all get inside the farmhouse. Lisa is just bleeding really badly. And so they decide to board up all the windows and doors. Then eventually Bob and Sally uh, come in and they knock on the door that asks to be let in. But Eddie, who goes from being the prankster to being an absolute dickhead, Tells them, nope, you're not coming in because those things are coming. They're going to kill us. We'll be in danger if we let you in. So Eddie basically becomes like the Harry of this version of the story, becoming very self-centered and not letting the others in. So Bob and Sally decide to go down into the cell. So they find the door to that on the other side of the house. So they go down there and hide. And of course, Ralph, one of the other friends, gives Eddie a big talking to about not letting Bob and Sally inside. And as all this is happening, the others are trying to help Lisa, who is slowly dying. However, uh, they've managed to find a, a working phone, so they call 911, and they, they pretty much tell the phone operator exactly what's going on. But I like the fact that all they had to do was to say to... The 911 operator, ah, uh, there's a lunatic coming in. But then one of the girls say, it's not a lunatic, it's a monster. And so <laughs> so he basically tells the phone operator, monsters attacking. I love that the phone operator essentially says, uh, is this monster a Frankenstein type or a Godzilla type? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot to unpack here. Uh um, yeah, there is. I say I say I say that, I say that in jazz but it's a sort of one for whatever reason when lisa is you know accosted by flesh eater prior to prior to that she's running away from the farmer who's who was zombified for whatever reason she decides to take off her her jean jacket and so she's running runs right into flesh eater and of course you're wondering it's like well why did you do that why did she do that but of course it just made it easier for bill to uh take a bite out of her <laughs> out of her neck yep. so anyways and then they find as you said they go along they find this farmhouse 
that I don't know. I mean, it, admittedly, it's cool. It looks pretty cool, but it's just sort of like it has everything. I mean, they were looking, they're looking, they immediately find the hammer, the nails, conveniently labeled, labeled in the nail box. And then, of course, the shotgun, the shotgun shells, Eddie yep. being Eddie. It's just going to be. And of course, when Bill gives uh, gives uh, Eddie the talking to, and Eddie's like, oh, don't come any closer or whatever. And then, of course, he gra- uh, Bill grabs a shotgun. He's like, oh, don't kill me, don't kill me, or whatever. It's just, yeah. It's yeah. very much sort of like, <laughs> it's it's fodder for uh, for hilarity, unintentional it, hilarity, put it indeed. that way. And uh, I think it was actually Ralph, not Bill, because Bill was already a zombie Brad, I, at this I was, point. But I, I'm sorry, to be, yes. Yeah, to be fair, Pat, to be fair... Like I said before, all the male characters in this college friend group look exactly the same. So I Thank can't you. blame you for exactly. being confused. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So they do call the, manage to get the, the phone operator to bl- bring the police out. And while this is <laughs> going do, on. I do yes. like the fact that she it's literally, she's up, she has her feet up on the desk. And of course it's, it literally is like a touchstone phone that she picks up, mm. and I guess it very sort of very police operator, police dispatch sort of thing. She's not wearing a headset or anything like that. She's literally just reading a magazine. So yeah, I guess it's to I guess it's to establish that this is sort of a small town sort of police yeah. uh, department, but at the same time, it's kind of yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, exactly. We'll roll with it. Exactly. So sadly, Lisa dies. And so the gang's still are boarding up the doors. However, one of the girls who's with Lisa, they forgot to board up one window behind her, and she gets pulled out by Flesh Eater. And then that's when the zombies start storming the house. So actually, they kind of they manage to break down the door. They kill that zombie and they tried to reboard it again, but it doesn't end up working because to be fair, even though these are college kids. They're not doing a good job boarding up these windows because they like put like one plank over a window and yeah, that's exactly, about it. Exactly. I just thought, yeah, okay, Eddie. It just and of course it had to be at least five seconds on Eddie trying to hammer in this. I mean, he does to give him credit, he's very good at hammering in nails, but we really didn't need to just to have that shot linger that long, but whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But then of course, uh, the zombies start coming in to the farmhouse. And I will say this, Pat, one of the interesting things about this film and why I call it a homage to Night of the Living Dead, because even though it's its own thing, it does hit some of the key points from the original film mm-hmm. with certain scenes. Like, again, we have characters going to a farmhouse. The house gets yep. taken over by zombies and so on and so forth. And we'll point all these out as the film goes on. So, yeah, the zombies come into the house that they start killing everyone left and right. Even the flesh eater uh, manages to take out one of the college kids with an axe to the head, which was a cool effect. And then, of course, like Lisa comes alive as a zombie and kills her boyfriend, Ralph. And, uh, <laughs> and then she gets shot and killed. And then, of course, one of the girls basically says, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know it was just sort of they apparently they weren't allowed to scream really loud or something. I don't know, but it was just sort of weird. Although I would, they said the the effect. I will give them credit for having Bob with the coming back 
and having the pitchfork still stuck in him. Obviously, the handle's broken off. And he goes in to bite. can't remember who it was. But as he's going in, and he actually impales and stabs the uh the broken handle through the uh through the teen as he's biting it. I thought that that was really cool. That was a really Although cool just... effect because it's basically it's like that handle would have killed her first before even the the <laughs> yes, before exactly. Bill even bitter. So but yes and again sort of again attacking the fle- attacking flesh eater with the axe and then of course flesh eater grabs it and very nice is very much a uh, a Tom Savini esque uh, effect with the axe just oh yeah planted planted in his head so all right i, I wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised because like there are a couple of shots in this film that did remind me of shots from other films like the axe to the head of course i could obviously be a reference to dawn of the dead but even when flesh yes. when that farmer opens up the coffin to show flesh eater that oh i kind of got shades of nosferatu in that mm-hmm. little moment yes. as well also, I have to say that one, it's pitch black outside when the zombies attack for some for some mm. weird reason because it was still it was still very much light out when they finally arrived at the farmhouse. But I guess whatever. And also the fact that none of the windows are in the uh, are actually in the uh, in the farmhouse. It's all just plastic uh, covering. And of course, I guess it's whether it's budget or the safety or whatever. So yes. all the zombies, just they just bl- break through the plastic and just drag people out. I thought that was kind of funny. So whatever. Having done quite a few indie productions on the show, Pat, I honestly think, yeah, that was more of a safety concern, having like plastic over the windows. <laughs> yes. Although and by the same po- token later on, as we find out, I, I'll save it. It's just sort of like flies in the face of, safety with what they what they did later on with the police officer but whatever we'll mm. get to we'll i yeah. digress we'll get to that later yes yes and uh as well and of course eddie gets killed as well so thank goodness for that because he was an <laughs> asshole uh, <laughs> yes. and then as all this is going on the uh phone, the 911 operator gets on to in my opinion the best performance in the whole movie half yes. the policeman who ha- who gives the most monotone performance I have ever seen <laughs> in any film in recent memory. She's like, oh yeah, a couple of kids say they're being attacked by Lutic. He's on the uh, the radio going, oh, okay, that's horrible. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, it's just uh, the, the whole thing. It's, again, I swear that they, they, again, a lot of these, a lot of these lines, I think were dubbed. Or, yeah, or I would back in, and yeah. his is his in particular. It was just sort of like, okay, that's a thing. I would be surprised at all if his voice was dubbed. And however, if it's not dubbed, that actor is not giving any emotion whatsoever into that performance. But it was kind of amazing to me. So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. But uh, as all that is going on, uh, we go to another house. And there's a family getting ready to do some trick-or-treating. And the kids are making uh, caramel apples. But it's interesting, though, because, like, caramel apples obviously are a North American thing. We kind of have those here in Australia, but we call them toffee apples. And we use toffee to kind of put over the apples. I remember this. And they still get made, but I remember just vividly having them as a kid. So as all this is going on, there's a girl up there who's 
basically fully nude, has a very long shower scene, of course, kind of showing what type of movie we're watching. And uh, then she gets out of the shower and goes and gets ready, gets changed. And uh, there's a knock at the door. And the little girl, who I believe is actually Bill Hinsman's real-life daughter, Heidi. So she wants wants to go see who it is at the door, because she wants to see who what the costumes of the trick-or-treaters are wearing. So she goes there, and Flesh Eater is at the door, picks her up, and kills her. Of course, you don't actually you don't actually see it, which is probably yeah. a good thing. It's not like it's not like uh, with uh, John of the Dead, where you actually saw, well, even then it was a sort of you didn't quite see the kids getting shot, but you didn't you do see the after effects of Heidi does drop the I couldn't tell if it was a coffee crisp or what have you. It was a candy bar of some sort, anyways. And then of course blood drips down onto it, so that was cool. The other thing. I could not, for the life of me, figure out whether the the girl taking the woman taking a shower if she was the babysitter or the older sister. I, I wasn't sure either. Out. And also, for that matter, why is she if she's the babysitter? Why is she taking a shower in like this this uh, this family's house that she's babysitting? Whatever. I don't know. When I babysat, I didn't. I certainly didn't take showers in uh, this pre- people's houses whatever i don't know it's just we whatever it just gave it gave us an excuse to see tna put it that way yeah like i was confused about that too because like is she uh the oldest daughter is she but she can't be because pretty much uh the 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 wife says uh susan get ready so you can look after the house until my husband gets her so She's obviously not the babysitter because the wife's going to take the kids out trick-or-treating. Is she, like, a sister of the wife? Maybe? I have no idea. But, that, but again, that, that, again, that whole sort of that, that line about until my husband gets home threw me off. And I was just like, what? So, yeah, anyway. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. But uh, so the wife, despite not hearing her daughter scream as she's being eaten. Uh, <laughs> she goes to get check up on uh Heidi and Heidi. she discovers yes, discovers the body on the her body on the ground. And then of course uh Flesh Eater jumps out, grabs the wife, bites and kills her. Then the son comes out, sees him, and then he runs through the house out the other side, but then he runs into another zombie and gets uh bitten and killed. And then of course Flesh Eater goes upstairs and find Susan and uh, attacks her and then bites her, but then also kind of rips off her towel and starts biting her boobs as well. And yeah, even it was just beforehand, a- it's like fondling her as well. So it's a very sleazy scene going on here. As I said before, it was just like, it was Bill's uh, excuse to, uh, to oogle uh, attractive women, put it that way. I don't know. It was it was weird. It was just kind of like it's as you said. It's that type of movie. So yeah, like I'm not going to accuse of Bill Hinsman be like uh, pervy or anything like that because I don't know the co- anything about that. But it yeah. but maybe it's all part of the character just making it very sleazy and all that type of stuff. So maybe it was already like the character he was going for with Flesh Eater. But it is like I said. This is a movie that definitely revels in its exploitive vibe. Like, Bill Hinsman obviously knew what type of film he was making. Yes. Like, this isn't going to be something, like, sophisticated, like Night of Living Dead. This is a movie that is going to be a full-blown exploitation film and just revels 
in it. So he's basically kind of just doing what we would expect in an exploitation film. So he kind of does that mm-hmm. in his scenes with every sort of female character Flesh Eater runs into. So it's just okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, again, I'm not going to make any. I'm not going to accuse anyone of anything, but it's just an interesting thing to point out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Such... Meanwhile, uh, so uh, Har finally arrives at the Spencer's farm, and he does again. It, at least, it, at least he figured out that he needs to at least show some emotion once uh, once he finally sees a zombie. Put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, some emotion uh maybe not much but some but yeah he comes along and he sees the zombies they come out of the woodwork he fires at one of them and then he gets bitten by one then he gets back to his car and they storm the police car trying to get in and he's like screaming to the 911 operator on the radio so quick i need help these kids are lunatics Ah." (laughs) again which is hilarious Then eventually the zombies get into the car and kill him. And then, of course, uh, not long after that, both Bob and Sally finally come out of hiding in the cellar. And they go to the police car thinking they're going to get help. And they find Harv. Basically, he does turn into a zombie, but he's pretty much mostly eaten. And that was actually a really cool that was effect really of cool. it. Like he's and, almost uh, halfway to being skeletal, but like it's obviously used a puppet for this, yeah. but it's actually a really cool effect. And it so, was a really cool effect. So Bob Matt just shoots half, and then they sort of <laughs> run off into the night. <laughs> it was, uh, and then again, as I as I alluded to before, sort of you know I know it was on a budget, but when the uh, zombies were, I mean, like they took a. I don't know what this, what it was a crowbar or what have you to the windshield, and like that was that didn't break like an actual like a movie windshield. It just didn't like shatter yeah. everywhere. It looked like an actual windshield that they were breaking, which is sort yeah. of kind of okay. Well, it's low budget or whatever, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. Contrasting that with the windows that really didn't have glass in them, they had yeah. plastic in them, but whatever. Nonetheless, it was still kind of a cool, it was still a pretty cool shot, actually. And then, of course, uh, afterwards with the the puppet, although I do have to wonder that I didn't quite see if the, uh, because they did show a shot of that, of a severed hand, presumably Harv's hand on the, on the ground, and then they cut to the puppet. I didn't see if the puppet was missing a hand or whatever, but still, it was, it was still a pretty cool effect, put it that way. Oh, definitely, definitely. And also, like, as when that scene was going on, we actually go back to the family. The husband finally arrives home. He goes (laughs) looking around the house, looking for them, even though there should be blood everywhere at the front door, but nope, he doesn't notice it. Then he goes upstairs, and his first instinct, well, to be fair, Mm -hmm. uh, he was expecting just Susan to be home, because, like, the family would have got, his wife and kids would have got off trick-or-treating, so he goes up to her room, opens it up, and finds uh, Susan now a fully nude zombie. Then he walks back, and then he falls into his wife and kids who are now zombies as well and gets killed and eaten. Again, it was sort of, I laugh because his his first reaction is to, uh, well, I mean, to be fair, to be fair. To be fair. When he sees, when he sees Susan dead on the on her bed he does sort of like he puts his hand over his mouth 
but it's just sort of like I get the idea. Okay, I'll give him that. That the, he was too shocked to really have any sort of real reaction. Put it that way. But it was just sort of again, there really was not much emotion behind, other than putting his hand over his face. There really wasn't that much emotion or reaction to seeing Susan, whether it was his daughter or what have you, dead. But whatever. And then of course he bumbles his way back and he gets eaten so fair enough (laughs) (laughs) and then uh from this scene we cut to uh a news studio they're doing just a regular news program and then of course one of the uh camera guys comes up to the to the newscasters gives them notes and they and that kind of talk about the zombie uprising happening and i'm like how did they get the news about this so quickly? I'm assuming probably in between when the Bob and Sally left Harv, like maybe the police maybe discovered Harv's body and realized the zombies. I, like it's, again, it's not explained. And also the news uh, studio looks very cheap as well. So that made me laugh quite yes. a bit. And, um, <laughs> and, and then we cut to another farm, the cyber horse farm. And then we have a husband and wife there. And I love the fact there's a lot of, and, I, and we say this on the Two Be Tuesdays podcast a lot, Pat. There's a lot of Canadian tuxedos throughout this film. Yes. But also yes. my favorite thing about the farmer is like he's just sitting there talking to his wife and his wife's like, oh, can you go feed the horses? Like he has a specific kind of checkered shirt on and then he puts on another shirt that's exactly the same. I remember that. <laughs> and then his jacket. Again, it's bet- between that and the fact that he's, that they argue, the couple argue over feeding the horses and then cut to the the barn or whatever. And again, the ADR is just like, okay, we get it. We get it's the horse farm. Judging from the overbearing horse sounds that are just, yeah. again, just they didn't really, you know, they just threw it in there. No, no attempt at trying to make it subtle or whatever, but it's just whatever. Yes. And uh, so Bob and Sally arrive. Yes, they do. Bob and and Sally arrive. (laughs) They go to the horse stable where they run into uh, the horse farmer. They try to tell him like exactly what's going on. This conversation was just hilarious to me, like in terms of it almost seems like it was like improvised, but it, 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 it like it didn't feel like a real conversation of them trying to explain what's going on. It might have been doing the, the bad acting, but I don't know, or yeah. the bad deliveries, I should say. But yeah, I'd say it's just... a mixture of both, Pat. Let's just admit that. <laughs> but, but, okay, fair enough. So they go inside. They find the horse farmer's wife is now a zombie, and the zombies just come out of nowhere. The farmer tells Bob and Sally to get out of there, and he'll hold them off. Save and then, yourselves. Of course, yeah, save yourselves. And then he gets killed. And then, of course, we follow Bob and Sally as they stumble across a Halloween party at another barn. And then we're introduced to, like, an, again, other college kids who are just in costume. However, the one that kind of stands out the most is Andy, who's Druncula. dressed up as Drac... Yes, Druncula. Dr- Druncula. Yes, Druncula, because he it's his party and he is off his tits. Uh- <laughs> well, it's just, I, it's just kind of like he's really trying to get across to you that he's that he's had one too many but it's just he's very sort of it's not to the point where it's kind of like okay you're slurring your words but you're kind of like he's like yeah 
those kids weren't invited. It's, it, it very much is sort of like whatever. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Drunkula. Yes, and uh, he was uh, played by uh, Andrew Sands, who was also the producer on this film, and his performance is very memorable. Like, the drunk acting he does is pretty amazing. Andy, do you realize your buddy Scott is hitting on me? He was just drunk. He's drunk? What about you? Well, somebody has to drink all of this beer. Just because some people didn't come to your party, Andy, is no reason for you to get so drunk that you spoil it for me and everybody else. I went through a lot of trouble to put this party together. I don't hear anyone else complaining. You're just complaining, and I'm not drunk. Andy, you're drinking too much. Come on. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. You're bothering. Hey, listen, we need your help. We were the only friends, and we were the only this is going to sound very strange, but you've got to believe us. Who the hell are you guys? What are you doing here? I didn't invite you. Where are your costumes? You look like shit. Look, I know we weren't invited, but... Oh, what the hell are you doing here? Shut up, Andy. Let him talk. Look, we need your help. There's these people out there. They're crazy. Killers. They're all over the place. They killed they're... all of our friends. Look, they killed a cop and some friends of ours. They're heading down this way now. Oh, they're in costume. They can come in. If not, get the hell out. Look, this is no joke. Look, you have a phone. Is there anybody's car we can borrow? Car? Just haven't you been listening to news? It's all over it the news. Saw... Come on, there's people everywhere. It's not gonna be long till they're here. I think you've seen just one too many cheesy zombie flicks, pal. And then, of course, we see the other characters and all that, and they're interacting. And I see a cat. On the Zoom call, Pat. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm well, I can't complain baby. about. Yes, I can't complain about cats being on this podcast. Uh, yes, <laughs> but um, as I was saying before, so we meet the other college kids and some of the girls there are uh, sort of talking about how their boyfriends aren't giving them much attention, and then we see these two college kids sort of uh, getting into each other, so they go off into the hay to um, make out. And uh, <laughs> and that's when Bob and Sally turn up. And again, tr- the same thing with the far- the horse farmer before. They tried to tell them exactly what's going on, and Andy doesn't want a bar of it. And, like, <laughs> and that's where the, the zombies actually turn up. Andy thinks there are more people in costume. And then, of course, he gets his nose bitten off by one of the zombies. And Which is the actually zomb- pretty cool. Yeah, it was a good effect. That was a really good yeah. effect. And, of course, the zombies go around, start killing everyone. And I love the fact that without even a, mo- a moment of hesitation, Bob and Sally just piss off and go hide in, I believe, in, like, a big cupboard or something like that. So <laughs> I think so. It's just very much a... Uh, it was the whole, again, sort of giving the effect... Uh, it gave uh, Bill an excuse to have, uh, again, laying on the... the uh, the gore effects, which yes. again, aside from Andy getting his nose bitten off and him just screaming for yep. a ridiculous amount of time, you know, we end up getting, we end up getting a, I think it was a meat, it was it a meat hook in someone's calf. Yep. I don't know. It was set of, yeah, they, and then uh, of course, what, one of the, uh, one of the girls uh, gets a meat hook in the calf and then a zombie just like stabs her with the meat hook in the neck. Yes repeatedly even though she's still screaming and it was just kind of like okay uh the funny part about that uh, 
about that one was it's just like I don't know whether it was just the same shot that was repeated because there's no there was no blood or whatsoever and of mm. course she's still screaming the entire time. The other sort of cool effect was uh, obviously Flesh Eater shows up and he puts his hand through a uh, one of the uh, one of the women's uh, back and out through her chest, grabbing again. Sort of, it was just his hand, but it was just. I thought that was a pretty cool effect. Uh, and Vinegar Syndrome used that uh, shot for the cover of the 4K release of the film. Exactly. It was a highlight, put it that yes. way. Yes, yes. And uh, but I, I think what's interesting beforehand is this couple are in the hay making out and stuff, and they're talking about... And basically the girl says to the guy, and it's like, uh, and I put... I wrote this down because this line was like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> my girlfriend says that all you football guys just want to drink beer and rape girls. I Yeah, that was kind of like a... Okay. That was, I mean... Uh... I mean, it's true, but we shouldn't say it, as the as the Simpsons would say. <laughs> well, exactly, and it was just sort of again, the whole thing was just sort of like, okay, this is sort of like the idea of character development, mm. but at the same time, this went on for this went on for a little longer than it needed to, but whatever, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's just sort of that line was just okay. Yes. But of course, like you said, that the flesh eater, of course, puts his hand through the woman, goes out the other side, and it is a pretty memorable gore effect. And then we get a sort of a radio announcement about the zombies and all that uh, coming back to life. And again, it, it's like little variations from Night of the Living Dead are in this film, or they do their kind of own takes on it. So it's the next morning, and we see the sheriff has got a posse together. And then they're going to go wander around the countryside to kill the zombies. Because, you know, Harv was that important of a police officer. Like, we have to, like, seek revenge for Harv. Um- <laughs> oh, exactly. And then, uh, as you uh, as you alluded to before, very much like a callback to None of the Living Dead mm. uh, with, the, uh, with the posses, put it that way. Yep. And... Uh, the one thing that I, that that sort of got me was the sheriff. Of course, he's speaking through a loudspeaker and, or, I'm sorry, a bullhorn. Does he really need to? Because they're all crowded. There was there wasn't that many, put it that way, hunters there that he needed to do that. But I guess whatever. Yeah. Let's just they had it, so why not? But uh, and then of course, uh, as he's doing that, the uh, the news crew. The newscaster actually shows up, Dave Kelly, or newsman, and he shows up, and we do get sort of alluded to with regards to the satanic cult activities once again. So I guess that sort of ties it again, tries to tie that earlier sort of mention at the beginning of the film to now. But of course, the sheriff is having none of that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just okay. <laughs> yeah, they they sort of try to tie it all back together, but even if it's not quite explained, at least it tries to give a possible explanation on, on what is going on with Flesh Eater and and what his backstory is. 
So we follow the posse as they're going around the countryside and they stumble across all the different zombies that we have seen throughout the film and take a few out. And there's even one cool like head explosion shot at one yes. point. And then we see uh, two of the <laughs> two 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 members of the posse. They go to that family's house, and they manage to find all the zombie versions of uh, of the family. And what are, I I have to say, Pat, like one of the members of the posse looks exactly like Pedro Pascal. It kind of creeps me out. I just got to say. <laughs> yes, I was going, but I was going to say it's just sort of okay. The one instance where the three three of the hunters find the zombies and one of them's like don't shoot that's my daughter and it's just like okay what, oh, whatever whatever yeah least, instead they they end up shooting her anyway surprise surprise but then of course it cuts to it cuts to the one guy who's like he's got his head and his hands or whatever and it's just sort of between the well, the awful delivery and the awful reaction to it's like yeah your friends just shot your daughter who's now a zombie and you just that that's like that's your reaction just sort of like head in your hand and okay whatever you didn't even try to stop them but <laughs> okay whatever exactly exactly and uh sort of when we back to those hunters at the family house and i like when one of the hunters goes inside to investigate he just sort of grabs a candy bar from the trick-or-treat barrel and just sort of takes it in so he goes upstairs and he finds the susan uh, chowing down on the husband's body and like he's definitely not coming back as a zombie because he's almost basically bones at this point and yes. he kills her and then of course uh the the wife and the two kids have been shot and we go back to the barn where the halloween party was before and then we see bob and sally are still hiding out of that massive cupboard and they're sort of talking ab about a few things and sally professes her love for Bob and Bob does the same as well and they're talking about their future how they want to get married and like we're seeing exactly where this is going with this conversation oh, exactly exactly and but the whole thing was just sorry I was gonna say like the whole thing is just sort of again why are we getting this now and it's just sort of mm. like whatever okay yeah because it's trying to make us feel something what is about to happen next and so so no surprise both Bob and Sally, they come out of their hiding space. They come out of the barn. The posse sees them and they think they're zombies. And so they open fire. One of them kills Sally. And then even though Bob is screaming, it's like, no, no, we're not. And then they still shoot Bob anyway. Although here's an interesting thing, Pat, and I don't know if you know this, but one of the members of the posse in that scene who kills uh bob and sally is actually the same actor who kills the character of ben in the original night of the living dead yes i knew that um it was just sort of and of course again a callback to the original uh night of the living dead but i just thought yeah okay that makes it makes sense yeah, that, i guess yeah the actor's name is uh vincent d savinsky so yep it is and apparently it's more or less like the character he's in this film, the character he plays is more or less the same character from Night of the Living Dead, essentially. Um, Pretty much. And the character's name is Vince as well, so... <laughs> Go figure. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so Bob and Sally are dead, so the sheriff and his men decide, oh, there must be more zombies in the barn, so we'll just light it on fire and kill them all. 
And then, of course, uh, the barn burns down. And then the, later on, we don't know. It might have. It has to be the next day because the sheriff just drives back up to the the side of the barn. Now that it's been burnt, he's looking around the rubble and he discovers burnt bodies. Uh, and then he hears a sound, so he goes to investigate. And then that's when Flesh Eater jumps out of the shadows, grabs the sheriff, bites him. And then he, Flesh Eater just looks at the camera and it cuts to black. And that is the end of the movie right there. So, uh, Pat, your thoughts on this last half of the I film? Just, okay, one, again, sort of given the the writing comes into play where I'm pretty sure the sheriff says does something to the effect of doesn't matter if they're alive or dead. I don't want anything coming out of that barn. And of course they light it on fire and it's not a very good fire. I mean, it's, mm. to be fair, the, to be fair, the, uh, the barn is actually pretty, is all mostly stone uh, cinder block. And they just ended up dubbing, uh, adding in ADR, uh, zombie groans throughout this for this the as the barn's burning or whatever, and then of course when he comes back the next day, it really doesn't look very. I mean, there's smoke. There's not very much. The, the stone's not scorched. There's yeah. very little in terms of evidence of a fire, other than the charred corpses, which those are pretty good look. Uh, pretty good uh, effects themselves. But yeah, just the when uh, Flesh Eater grabs him, and he's—I swear that when the uh, when uh, Flesh Eater is biting the sheriff's neck, and you see the gun, sh- he shoots the ground. But I swear that he's trying to cock that he's trying to cock the gun, or, yeah. or cock the hammer and take another shot. It's like you really wouldn't be doing that if you're whatever. I don't know. But exactly. then, of course, yes. We do get uh, we do get flesh eater mugging for the camera, and uh, cut to black and uh, yeah, flesh eater. That's a uh, that's a film. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> like it's so. I guess uh, Pat. Like um, overall, what are your final thoughts on uh, flesh eater as a whole? You do need to have uh, some. Uh, you either need to have, see with a group of friends, as we've mentioned many times before. Uh, because, as I said, the pacing is suspect. It's too many times the film just sort of kind of it gets going, but then of course we stop for exposition, quote unquote, and then it slows right down and we we'll pick back up again. And it, so it doesn't really keep a good pace. I guess that's offset from the entertainment value of the acting and the delivery. Mm. of the lines and also of course the gore effects uh which again given that this is a low budget affair are actually really cool so i would say that it's you'd have to be in a good mood put it this uh, put it this way to at least from my point of view in order to be able to really get the most out of flesh eater there is entertainment value to it but you're not. It's not going to be uh, comparable to Not a Living Dead. Mm. Not even close. Put it that way. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, I I gotta say overall, like I think for me, it, this was definitely without a doubt a vanity project for Bill Hinsman. Yes. Uh, 
for him being the star because like he's got his hands and everything on this film like he directed it he co-wrote it produced it did the editing and of course he plays the title character in the film so it is very much a vanity project through and through but that being said though you could definitely tell that there is a lot of passion for this film throughout it like yes the execution of it is not very good and it is very amateurish at times but that being said though it definitely is a fun movie like this is definitely one that you could have playing on a so bad it's good night you yes like you say it get your friends together get a couple of drinks and if you're a stoner get high on <laughs> weed and watch this film and and you'll have a blast. Like, even though I haven't watched it with a group yet, but the two times I've watched it so far in prep for this episode, I really enjoyed myself a lot. Maybe it's because, again, I love that kind of low-budget charm of films like this, especially if the film itself doesn't turn out quite well. And even though, yeah, there's definitely some pacing issues with the film, but I was still completely enthralled with it from beginning to end and i just found it quite a fun film both intentionally and unintentionally and of course like on actual positives like the makeup and gore effects are actually really good especially for a film like this and i gotta say like a shout out to vinegar syndrome doing a 4k restoration on this film and releasing it on 4k blu-ray because the film looks great and I'm happy to kind of experience this film for the first time in this format, but I can imagine it'd be even more fun and more grungier and more dirtier and sleazier if it was like, you know, on a VHS or something like that. Oh, definitely. I think that the only other previous release uh, for uh, Flesh Eater was in a two-pack by mm. Media Blasters. I can't remember if it was a Blu-ray or a DVD pack. Anyways... Once again, vinegar syndrome. Even even though it did cause my uh, the uh, the disk drive on my laptop to die, uh, mm -hmm. it did not it not, did not do the same thing with my PS4. So I was able to enjoy it in all of its in all of its uh, high def glory, and it does look very uh, very good. Top notch, uh, top mark, top marks for that. And of Definitely. course, again, with all the, with all of the uh, supplemental features on there, it does you do end up appreciating the film a little bit more, even though you can kind of see that uh, it's not a masterpiece. But again, it all comes back to the fact that there was there was uh, heart behind it, even if it, even if it was in Flesh Eater's hand. I don't know. <laughs> Lame Def joke, I know. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So yeah, like uh, if you're in the mood for something to add to your rotation on a bad movie night, like a fun bad movie night, definitely put Flesh Eater in that rotation because I think all of you listeners out there will have a good time with this one. And it's also kind of seeing like how someone who is also a major part of the original Night of the Living Dead kind of doing their own homage to that film. Because like I said, some of the key beats from the original film are here in this one, but of course having a, their own spin to them. So yeah, overall, it's definitely not a quality movie, but it is a fun movie, if I say yes. so myself. But yeah, I guess that could be a wrap on this episode of Bead vs. the Living Dead. And thank you once again, Pat, for coming on the show and talking about this film with me. Well, thank you for having me once again. Yes, I, I had a, it was a lot of fun talking about Flesh Eater. Like I said, 
I was very excited for this episode, especially after watching the film the first time because there was so much to talk about with this film, and I just had a blast talking about it. Yes, as did I. Even though, even though I didn't quite enjoy it as much as you, but it was still, as always, when it comes to discussing movies of this nature, it's always fun to have to have even though there's a difference of opinion on the, these sorts of things it's always fun to have discussion exactly exactly but uh before we wrap up the episode tonight uh pat where can people find you on the internet this week you can find me and my useless opinions quote unquote on uh, twitter at pat torfey you can also see me uh mucking around on uh, bloody disgusting on various uh various topics yeah <laughs> nice. and what about you bead well if people want to find me personally they can find me on twitter slash x at yes. twitter.com slash bead and or you can also find me on blue sky under bead jermine and also you can find my all my work and as well as all the podcasts i co-host with super marcy over on supermarcy.com and by by contrast the super network on all podcast streaming services everywhere but of course in terms of this show bead versus the living dead and as well as the spin-off podcast bead and steve versus care crystal lake you can find all info on that both those shows on the official twitter account for this podcast at twitter.com slash bead vstld and as well as on blue sky at bead vstld you can also find the podcast on Facebook under the name Bead versus The Living Dead. And also you can listen to both shows on all podcast streaming services everywhere. And uh, if you haven't been enjoying either Bead versus The Living Dead or Bead and Steve versus Cam Crystal Lake, leave a rating and review for the show on your podcast streamer of choice. And if you do leave a review, I will make sure to read it on the podcast for sure. Yeah, that is the end for this episode of Bead versus the living dead i hope you guys all enjoyed it and keep a lookout for two episodes coming out over the next few weeks on december 13th of course is a is of course the third episode of bead and steve versus camp crystal lake in which we will discuss friday the 13th part three 3d and of course for the next episode of this show keep a lookout for it in two weeks time on december 17th in which uh I will be talking about another homage to Night of the Living Dead with the 2014 indie film, The Day of the Living Dead. So stay tuned for that one, everyone, and I'll see you all next time. See you, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beat vs. the Living Dead. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player of choice. Keep up on all updates of the show on the official Twitter account at BeadVSTLD. The music for this show was brought to you by Denno. See you next time, everyone. Goodbye.